This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Conviction is keeping you up at night when you, you have to go to God and say, God, I got to take this to you, man. I got to come real with you. I got to be I got to be honest with you because kingdom life is not about just enlightenment, but it's about edification. Continue reading this. And, it says, and it's like nails firmly fixed are the collected things. In other words, saying this edification, it's, it's like a nail hammered into a piece of wood. Try to pull it out. Yeah. It's going to be hard. This edification that happens, it's a, it's, a, it's a process that actually will shape you for the rest of your life. I say this very often. You spill what you're filled with when shaken. When God is edifying you, when He's building you up with His Word, with His truths, um, sin cannot take that away from you. Shame cannot take that away from you. Our circumstances cannot take that away from you. God, that's how God wants to build us up. That's the part of the kingdom life. And then He says that... The words of the wise are like goads, are like nails firmly fixed, are the collected things. They are given by who? By one shepherd. If you have it in your English Bible, it'll say a capital S. I mean, I don't know what other languages you'd be having over here. That'd be funny if you had a, like a, I have a Hindi Bible over here, right? But the capital S, and, and it's because, uh, track with me, so far, Solomon has called himself the preacher, the Kohalat. And now he says, uh, the collected words, these wise words come from the shepherd, the one shepherd. And the English translators put the capital S because they realize that he's talking about Yahweh, the eternal God. He was called the shepherd of the people of Israel. Help me out with Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. shepherd. Psalm chapter 80 verse 1. um, The psalmist writes, he says, you know, hear, give ear, O shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock. I wonder who he's talking about. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. God is known as the shepherd. And he says, these words of edification it's God's words. It comes from Him. Jesus shows up on the scene in John chapter 10 and He says, I am the good shepherd. And He fulfills this beautiful thing that we've been waiting for of the shepherd and Solomon, man. In fact, some people believe that this is like a messianic prophecy of Solomon knowing that, hey, these wise words are going to come from the one true shepherd whose words are going to edify, whose words are going to bring life. Church, I care for you very deeply. We're living in a time where I believe that God brought me to this country for a reason because you have the West Eastern way of thinking, of spirituality coming into this country that God's blessed because of its Judeo-Christian values. Enlightenment is not kingdom life. Edification is. You see, oftentimes we choose enlightenment over edification because it's easy. (laughs) You're not poked. You're not pulled out of the rut. Sin doesn't have to be called sin. You can be comfortable. We'll applaud it. And as I've been writing this, God's been confronting me of saying, hey man, how much of theology do you change because you want to be enlightened and not be edified? How much much of God's word do you just kind of ignore because you're like, if I go there, I've got to change my lifestyle. I'm not just talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about staunch believers who follow preachers who don't follow God. You will mention preacher's name a million times, but you will never mention the name of Jesus who's convicting you. You know what the word says, but you don't know what his voice sounds like. God is not about enlightenment. He's about edification. And edification looks different, man. Edification is not sitting in lotus position. Edification is prostrate before God and saying, save me, O Lord, I'm a sinner. God, I'm unable to run away from my sins. Help me, God. How do I deal with this? And, And so... It's beautiful how Abraham, um, it says in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong 
and his faith as he gave glory to God. It, it's very interesting how when we go through unbelief, when we go through hard times, it's easy for us to run off after let me just be enlightened with something new that will make me feel peace, that will be delightful words for my life, that will give me momental clarity, but it's not truth that edifies. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Okay. He says, verse 12, My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. You know, I was talking to Sarah last night when we were kind of running through our um, songs of worship. And she was, she was saying, like, man, there's so much content on social media right now. It's just so crazy. It's just so inundated with the content. I just don't know what to do. And a big hair is like moving on. She's like, I just don't know what to do. It's just so crazy. And, you know, it's just insane. And it occurred to me that, 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 that we're not just living in a time where we're so inundated with content. Even when there were just two people on earth, we were inundated with content when the snake spoke. There's always been too much content. The, the, the question for us as believers is, if we're going to live the kingdom life, are you willing to choose content that will edify and not just try to enlighten you it's good for the eyes it's good for the stomach i will take it i will eat it num 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 i'll be like god enlightenment not edification and when abraham it says that when when trials came his way he did not waver but he grew strong in his faith um church don't be like the people that paul uh, writes about to Timothy when he says they're always learning Timothy chapter 3 verse 7 they're always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth there's always a book that you can read there's always a post that you can read there's always something that you can read that will confuse you that will change you sometimes as Christians we're so busy running from one church to the next from one ministry to the next just trying to, you're trying to learn stuff but hey learn what's right in front of you read the Bible you have God's word you have the Holy Spirit in you ask him to teach you and sometimes we run after so much knowledge or delightful words or clarity of mind that you forget to learn to practice listening to the Holy Spirit's convictions and repenting from your sin. We can't get through this life as living just under the sun, but have to acknowledge that we have to live under the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, through the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us by paying attention, by heeding to his words that edify. First um, Peter chapter 2 Verse 4 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So you might not be woke in this world, you're rejected by men, but by God you're accepted. What a beautiful thing that is. Let's be hated by men, it's okay. It's okay if people call you names, but make sure that you're accepted by God. It says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. In other words, are being edified are being built up as spiritual houses to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua, through Jesus Christ. Okay, here's your application question for you. Plain and simple, how are you doing in the area of edification, of being built up? In other words, are you repenting daily and choosing to be built up or are you being torn down by worldly lies? I know that it's easy for us to kick our sins under the carpet or align yourself with somebody else that has the same problems and say it's okay listen what I do some people doing it they would live with guilt the rest of their lives certain ways I speak I can never imagine some other person saying it and if you're just trying to align to imitate me my life dude you're just trying to be you know enlightened but when you go to God and say, God, for me, what do you have for me? And again, in the kingdom life, we're unique. Your calling is so unique. Your gifting is so unique. 
I'm so unique. And when you're trying to be like somebody else, you're demeaning God's calling on your life. Right. You've got to go to God and be like, God, bring conviction, Lord, for sin in my life. What are you calling me to do? It might look different. Man, if you look at my older brother and me, I mean, because we're in America, people think we're twins because he's brown, I'm brown, I have long hair, he has long hair. You know? I just tell people I'm the better looking twin. But he preaches different. I mean, he's a pastor, and he and I don't think we can ever work together because he's too, he's too, you know, good. He's, yeah. He's got a better American accent than I do. He speaks slowly. He doesn't need a rock star. People love him everywhere he goes. It's crazy. I love him. He's a great guy. But his calling is different, and my calling is different. You know, and it's beautiful watching God do something in his life. And for a while, I was trying to be like him. I was trying to be enlightened, be more like my brother. But it's nice when I go to God's word and say, God, what are you calling me to do? And then God starts bringing sin in my life. God starts bringing the insecurities in my life, the shame in my life that I need to get rid of and so that I can answer the call of God. Okay, second thing that Solomon says, if you're tracking. Second thing he says is kingdom life is not about omitting but about committing. It's not about omitting God's commands. It's not about omitting God's commands, but about committing to God's commands. You know, um, I've been hearing about this new diet. I'm not going to try it. It's called the elimination diet. Did I say it right? Elim yeah. Elimination? Elimination. Elimination. I eliminated the E. <laughs> the elimination diet. Um, oftentimes we look at Christian life like the elimination diet, right? It's like, hey, I like this Jesus stuff. I like this, you know, forgiveness and grace stuff. I love the coming to church and singing song stuff. But that, that, those little things, I'm just going to get rid of them. We're not even going to touch that with a 50-foot long pole. Kingdom life is not about elimination. It's not about omitting God's word. It's not about omitting those words that are like a, like a shepherd's stick that pokes you and prods you, but it's actually committing to it. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to, 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 to repent and to say, God, once again, would you speak to me because I want to commit to following your commands. Committing to obey God wholeheartedly. Committing to obey the loving commands of Jesus. You know, we're, we're living in a world where, once again, um, we love it when people alter theology because we feel like, hey, Here's a new enlightened preacher who's altering theology. Here's an enlightened guy who's, who's coming up with this new profound way of um, you know, unpacking the scripture so we can continue living in sin. Uh, but Christian life, is, the kingdom life is not about omitting God's commands, but about committing to God's commands. Look at how um, Solomon puts it. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands. Okay, once again, end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commands. Why is that? For this is the whole duty of man. Dear God, that verse is kind of crazy because when you read it in Hebrew, it actually doesn't have the word duty in it, so it could read, fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole of man. Fear God and keeping his commands is the whole of man. Mankind finds his wholeness in keeping God's commands and fearing him. This is not the first time that Solomon said, fear God. Uh, where he's urged us to obey God and to have reverence for him. In, in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. In other words, he's saying, when people keep altering things to, to seem more smart, to feel more enlightened, they're going to see that they really cannot change what God has already ordained. And it's for us to know that, man, no matter how much I'm chasing this inner peace and nirvana, 
I'm not going to find it. I can only find it in the words of Jesus. And I got to fear him and have reverence for him and surrender to him. He says in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 7, um, when dreams increase and words grow many, there's vanity. But God is the one whom, who you must fear. Oftentimes we, uh, we fear or we have reverence for people who talk so much, who dream so much. Who, but he's like, hey, listen, a person who talks so much, that's all it is. It's just talk. A person that dreams so much, that's all it is. It's just dreams. But fear God who actually does. And then he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 12, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God. So he says there's a blessing for those who fear God because they fear him, but it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. So there are multiple verses in the book of Ecclesiastes where he challenges us to fear God. And this is something that a lot of our enlightened folks have a hard time wrestling with. You see, man, I have had one day to prepare this message because this week was kind of crazy. And I was like, this is a pretty weighty topic because Oprah Winfrey would come after me. Well, I'm not that famous, but because she's like, I don't want to follow a God who says I have to fear him. Okay, let me try and unpack that as quickly as I can. Jesus himself says, so I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says, and I hope you don't either, because I care about what Jesus says. All on board with that? Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he says, do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Dear God. Mm, this is your first time in church. Welcome. I know. That's a little ouch. It's like the doctors that say, you're going to feel a little pressure now. Right? And, and, and the stand-up comedian, what's his name? Um, I forget. He's like, it's like a two by four to the face. Right? Little pressure. A lot. What does Jesus mean when he says, we've got to fear him? And why is he saying, he will throw you in hell? I thought he was a God of love. I mean, Joe, you said he came into the world because he loves you. He died because he loves you. What was this whole thing about fear him will throw your body and soul into hell? Can I please unpack this for you? Please pay attention. And if this is what's been keeping you from giving a complete devotion to Jesus, please pay attention to me. You see, if God were to force his presence into your life, he would be a hater. But he says, you want to stay away from me? Fine. For the rest of eternity? Fine. Listen to me. God gives every single person a chance to experience his love. And I know that for a fact because I've tried running away from him. I've tried hating him. I've tried walking away from him. I've tried going down the path of sin. Not when I was a Christian, even when I was an un unbeliever. And the love of God pursues me. The love of God pursues you. You might not be sitting in this room, you might be watching at home. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address.